When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Now through the neutral zone comes Connor McDavid. Double team, got it back. Chris shot, score. What a beautiful move. Deep backhand, went back to the forehand. And welcome back, Connor. His sixth goal of the season is a work of art. Raleigh, he's going to keep it. He hits the five. Hey, Edmonton, that's your quarterback. Mike Riley to the end. Touchdown, Eskimo! Ladies and gentlemen, Dagger! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chet. Welcome to the offseason. What will the renovation look like this summer? Inside Sports on 6.30, Chad. Thanks for tuning in tonight at 6.07. My name is Reed Wilkins, and we're going to put a cap on the Oilers' season that saw them improve by seven wins and sink by one spot in the overall standings. Oh, remember that number, everybody, 13.5%. Those are their odds to finish, well, to win the draft lottery coming up on April 30th. We're going to hear from Todd McClellan, a little bit from Peter Shrelly, a little bit from Jordan Everly, Matt Hendricks. I got a one-on-one with Cam Talbot, all still ahead. And a big part of tonight's show, of course, is you. 780-496-0063. The phone lines are open right now. If you want to jump in about anything you hear during the show, something that's been bugging you to talk about, or just anything about the season you want to bring up or ask, we will work through it. Together, I'm sure there are a few things going through your mind, rattling through your brain as well. What could be, uh, I know Rob Brown the other night called it an intriguing offseason ahead. There, there's always change in the offseason. There's always change when you have a bad season like the Oilers have had far too often over the last 10 years. But certainly the magnitude of the change could be greater than in previous summers. And certainly um, for the first time, going into the summer in a long time. The Oilers have an experienced general manager at the helm looking at making these changes. So that's going to be interesting, and there are going to have to be changes in the way the team performs on the ice as well and the attitude they have towards games and game situations, and that's going to be a big focus of today too. I can tell you that it was formally announced today, already stuff that we told you. McDavid, Hall, and Talbot will play for Canada at the Worlds. Maroon and Hendricks will play for the United States. Dreisaitl for Germany. Sekera for Slovakia. Of course, that tournament coming up in Russia starting in early May. I gave the phone number 780-496-0063. You can also text it to uh, text your comments to 630-630. You can tweet me at Reed Wilkins, and you can uh, get the Todd McClellan story on the 630 Ched Facebook page and jump into the comments section there if you like. Matthew Panashik on the other side of the window. The Bengals hat is back today along with the Bengals shirt, or is that just an orange shirt? No, it's a red shirt. It's well, a red how, shirt, how, buddy. How to embarrass my vision, you know? Like, 
It's felt so good about the way the show... No, all right. Well, it looks orange from here. All right, so uh, before we get into some more detailed Todd McClellan stuff, he gave his avail- availability today. You can get the whole thing, all half an hour of it, on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. If you want the highlights, of course, I will be giving them to you tonight. And Todd McClellan was asked, I believe it was by Terry Jones from The Sun, Todd, what's your message to the fans? They sure don't want to hear the word rebuild and patience, and and I'm not using that. Um, I think they want to hear that they're considered in the evaluation. Um, So we have to start with them. We have to to make sure that at least we're giving them an honest effort. And uh, most of the nights we did. um, The Calgary debacle that we had here, I think we clarified that that again, that it was really important for us to, to perform for them. They want to know that there's hope. Um, that we're going the right direction. Um, I think they want to know that there's some stability. Uh, most of them would like to know what's going to happen today, um, but we can't give them those answers. Uh, Peter and his crew will have some work to do. Um, you know, I, I think that's what they want to hear, but they sure don't want to hear rebuild or patience because I don't want to hear it anymore, and I've only been here a year. Thank you, Todd McClellan. If you've ever listened to Inside Sports before, you know that I only very reluctantly use the word rebuild when I run out of other things to say because I don't think it applies here anymore. And quite frankly, every team that is out of the playoffs has to rebuild in some sense. They have to try to do better. So that is Todd McClellan's general message to the fans right off the top, and uh, I was glad to hear him say that. Um, You know... Both uh, Shirelli said said yesterday that his goal for the season was 82 points. They got 70, so he had a very modest goal that was not achieved. I, I don't know even if the Oilers are healthy the entire season if they would have got to 82 given the, the way that they played, and that's something that I want to talk about tonight. McClellan you know, did say that he, he did he, at the very beginning of the season, right when he was hired, he said, we got to build a foundation. He does feel significant parts of the foundation are in place for this team as they move ahead, and we know that he's going to be the coach, and we know that Shirelli's going to be the general manager. He, he specifically had this to say about goal differential. I look at our goals against, and our goals against came down a lot this year. Our, our disparity between goals for and goals against was... Uh, uh, drastically improved, but it didn't bump us up in the standing. So that tells us we got a long ways to go. Um, I was doing a little stat work this morning, and there's only two playoff teams. And I think we ended up minus 42 or in that range. There's two playoff teams that um, that made the playoffs that had a minus differential, and and I think in my opinion that's odd. Um, you know, minus seven and minus 13. So if, if those are the benchmarks and those are numbers, we got to shave 30 30 goals off. That's still a third of goal a night, and that's a that's a tough thing to do. We've got to improve defensively in that area. Offensively, we had 203 goals. Uh, the low benchmark for playoff teams this year were 209, 216, 218 in that range. So that tells me if we if we want to reach the low benchmark, we've got to we've got to find a way for 10 more goals or 12 more goals. So uh, 30 shaved off, 10 more, that's a, that's a half a goal night improvement that we need just to, to reach the playoffs. So I want you to think about that. I mean, the Oilers this season, he mentioned it, were minus 42 in goal differential. Minus 42. That is an improvement from minus 85 last year. 
And, and and again, I mean, is is this year a comment on them being bad this year, or is it more of a comment on how disastrous they were last year? I mean, minus eighty five in goal. I mean, they've improved by half a goal a game. That's actually pretty significant, but it still wasn't nearly enough to get them anywhere near the playoffs. So now they got to improve by another half goal a game, and that might not still be enough. As he pointed out, oddly enough, a couple of negative goal differential teams got into the playoffs, including Detroit, who were minus 13. Boston at plus 10 missed the playoffs. In the West, it was cut and dried. If you were plus goal differential, you got in. The negative teams were out. Vancouver wound up the worst at minus 52. So think about that. They still need to improve by half a goal per game. Now Talbot playing at a 917 to 920 save percentage throughout the entire season, shaves off a few. You know, sure, healthy forwards might get you a few more. So it's possible for the work to be done, but not going to be easy. And the roster is obviously going to have to be upgraded. But, you know, I thought that was an interesting way for uh, for Todd McClellan to look at that. 780-496-0063. You know, so text 63630. Meissen says, I'm glad McClellan said those two things. I'm sick of hearing about rebuild and about being patient. Uh, Lyle says they're not rebuilding, they are upgrading. Another texter says Everly isn't going to the Worlds. No, he is not going to the Worlds. He is, uh, what did he say yesterday? I think he's got a couple wedding, a wedding or two to attend, and his sister's having a baby, so Everly's choosing a family this spring over going to the Worlds. Uh, on an, another note, right off the top read from Gabriel, who do you have to lift Lord Stanley's mug? I need to know before I close my playoff pool. <laughs> I don't know why anybody would come to me for predictions, but I'm going to stick with Washington over Anaheim because that's what I took in the preseason. And it actually looks like it still might be possible. All right, I want to get into some more specific stuff that McClellan and a couple of players said because besides the deficiencies on the roster, I think we're going to talk about another deficiency on the ice, regardless of who is playing, that hurt the Oilers this season and has to be corrected. It's 616 Inside Sports on Chet. You're listening to 630 Chet Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. Of course, the playoffs will start on Wednesday. I believe I'm making playoff picks at 1.30 tomorrow on Oilers Now with uh, Jack Michaels, Bob Stoffer, and Brendan Ulrich. Feel free to text in and laugh at me. <laughs> Reed Wilkins with you. Thanks for tuning in. We're going through your Action Furnace Oilers Report, Action Furnace, home of the fixed right, or its free guarantee. Visit actionfurnace.ca. Of course, going through some of the uh, clips, highlight clips from media availabilities over the last couple of days as the Oilers packed it in over at Rexall Place, and the floor is open to you as well to text 63630 to phone in 780-496-0063. Tony has done just that. Good evening, Tony. Hi, Reed. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Good. I'll make this quick. It's just a little self-puffery on my part because, you know, this will be the last call till I see you next season. But I've been calling for McTavish's and Lowe's heads, like, for three and a half years. Yes. And I heard how you guys eloquently explained how they had to basically push Lowe under the seat. So now he's not sitting in anymore. Is there a chance McTavish will get the boot this summer? Well, I think there's a chance, yeah. I mean, I, th- I believe his contract extends for another season. 
I, I, right. I, I, I would say I would say this, Tony, and, and people get mad at me when I say this, like I'm trying to say changes won't happen, but right. But I'm. But the reality is, Shirelli did change stuff last summer. Like he fired Stu McGregor. He was the head amateur scout. That's a pretty major guy, right? Like he he did change some other stuff. So I, I think for him, when we talked about a lot of evaluation going on this year, I also think that's Shirelli deciding who he wants around him, right? Right on. So, I, I mean, I don't think Peter Shirelli's going to come out and telegraph what's going to happen with right. McTavish. He'll, he'll either be here, you know, probably past the draft, or, or he won't. I, I would think McTavish wants to stay, and I, I understand the criticism uh, for McTavish because in some areas I've been one of the ones doing it myself. But I would think that Craig McTavish probably wants to to be here. Like, oh, I bet dis- he does. Dis- I dis- bet he does. Despite despite his tenure as the general manager, he does care about the Oilers and he wants them to win. And now well, the sure McDavid he is here. He went to business yeah. school. That's why Lowe hired him back. He took off for a year or two, right? Came back waving a diploma, and there was Lowe ready to accept him. Well, and we he all yeah, know what he did some he did some TV work too. I think wasn't he on TSN oh, wow. for a yeah, season that's, something? That's, yeah, I think I always fall back on that. Yeah, or Mr. Uh, Plywood or whatever, Carpet World, or doesn't really matter. Wasn't that Tom Wilkinson? <laughs> actually, it was uh, Fogland way back when. Okay. And Mr. Simpson, actually. If you want a nice Berber, you can ask those guys. But look, I don't want to bother you. You guys did a great job this year. I just love your show. And it's too bad they can't call Stoffer because they only want certain people calling that show. But I just wanted to say keep up the good work, and we'll talk to you next year. Yeah, well, I hope you can listen over the summer a bit too, Tony. Thanks. I'll, t- I'll try. Okay. That's Tony checking in, 780-496-0063. It is 623. The uh, phone lines remain open, of course. All right. Uh, Should mention uh, a couple other things from the hockey world before I uh, go on here. The Arizona Coyotes have fired general manager Don Maloney. I I guess he got fired for the team being too good this year. 326, 291, and 87 uh, was the Coyotes' record under... Don Maloney, good hockey man, now available. Edge Snyder, founder of the Philadelphia Flyers, unfortunately passing away today. Had a uh, couple-year battle with cancer. He was 83 years of old. And Jacques Demers, improving and in therapy after suffering a stroke last week. Uh, now, he's 71 years of age. Jacques Demers is one of the uh, good guys in hockey. And don't forget, the coach of the last Canadian team to win the Stanley Cup. He was the coach of the 1993 Montreal Canadiens. And yes, it has been that long. And this year, we don't even have a single Canadian team in the playoffs. I want to get to some more Todd McClellan stuff here and some players. Before before the news, well, actually, I'll bring, uh, I'll bring Steve in since he just called in. Steve, you don't even have to wait, buddy. I'm putting, I'm, I'm playing you ahead of a great Todd McClellan clip. What's on your mind, man? Wow, how lucky am I? Um, I just have a couple comments and concerns about the Oilers this season. I was wondering what your opinions are, uh, and not just actually this season. Uh, the one thing I want I want to say is I'm really disappointed with the way they handled uh, the management of uh, Nail Yakupov. I'm not saying he's one of our best players, and I know positionally he struggles at times, but I'm really disappointed because... I don't think he was given the the same opportunities as, you know, our other, you know, top draft picks. I mean, he's playing on lines with Latestu as his centerman, as Lander sometimes, not too often. 
and I don't think he had the same opportunities. In fact, I think the only time he was really he was really offered a true opportunity with the club was, I believe, with Ralph Kruger, in my opinion. And uh, the other thing I want to I want to say is, I'm not. I, I really like what Todd McClellan is doing uh, with the team so far, but I'm really worried about the power play. I I, I know we don't have a puck moving defenseman, but you know with with the type of players that you know on paper we have, I, I I expect us to have a much stronger power play. Well, the power, yeah, I think both points are valid. I mean, I, you've probably heard me yak about yak that you're probably sick of it, but I I I I agree that there were a, a couple of times during the season I was a bit surprised he didn't get the top six opportunity when they had some injuries. But like I said, for most of the season, I still didn't see him do enough on his own. And I still think, you know, I, I know the the blogosphere was angry when Korpakoski would get to play ahead of him and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I think you look at Yakupov, not in the right place defensively, not going in hard on the forecheck, fishing for the puck instead of getting his body in there. And, and I think that's why the coaching staff just always looked another way when when they decided to give somebody an opportunity. So, I mean, that's that's how I see it. I know there's a lot of people who are going to disagree with me, but that's how I see it. The power play was better with McDavid, um, obviously. Um, the injuries did affect the power play. I don't like to use injuries as an entire crutch, but even Pouliot and stuff like that would have helped. Um, I, I know that the coaching staff was imploring the players, because players have told me this, was imploring the players to move the puck quicker and shoot it more, just get it at the net and not do all the Harlem Globetrotter passing. Um, it seems to me that that message didn't get through often often enough. Those would be my, my two answers. I don't know if they're satisfying to you, but that's how I see it. Okay, yeah, you know, I just it just worries me because, you know, he was in San Jose, and in San Jose, you know, he had, he had quite the, the, the firepower and, you know, there's, you know, without Todd McClellan this season, you know, they're doing pretty well. I don't know if they've made too many moves uh, since uh, his departure, but you know, I, I hope, with hope, hopefully, with a with a puck moving defenseman, if we can get one of those this off season, maybe the power play will increase uh, and its percentage. But yeah, I'm just really disappointed with the, the way they've handled Neil Yakupov. I, in my opinion, I, I I can see him going to another team and. Given the opportunity, I could see him being a 20, 25, uh, maybe even 30 goal scorer. Well, if he does move on, I, I would never have any ill will towards a guy that goes towards another team. Steve, thanks for calling, man. Thanks. Thanks, Reed. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. I got to get to some texts as well. We'll get to some more of the interviews when we get back. Inside Sports on six thirty, Chad. <laughs> Listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. All right, it's 6:35. Before we get back to the phone lines here, just want to read a couple of texts. Duder says, when you described Yakupov, you could have been describing Jordan Everly. Same weaknesses, different hands. Brad says, Reed, when it comes to Yakupov, he's a complimentary player. He's not a great playmaker. He doesn't drive the play. He's a natural shooter who needs a driver to get him the shot opportunity. So the complaint that he wasn't used properly is that 
he needs to play with Hall and McDavid for them to create the chance for him to finish. To argue back that he should have created on his own isn't recognizing his skill set. The irony is that when he is gone, the team will be looking for a first-shot goal scorer to play with McDavid after they trade Everly and Yakupov. All right, well, just my general response to those two texts, and this has happened to me all year. I mean, one guy even called me anti-Russian one night. And to tell you the truth, I am sick of talking about Nail Yakupov because I'm saying the same thing over and over again. You guys are saying the same thing over and over again about which, whichever side you're on. And it seems like I'm beating on the kid when really all I'm doing is answering a question that I get asked almost daily. So, and my answer hasn't changed. And the comeback for a lot of you who really love Yakupov, and there's nothing wrong with having a favorite player or guys you like on the team, but the comeback for, from a lot of you is, well, what about Jordan Eberle? Well, fine then. Ask me about Jordan Eberle. I mean, don't ask me about Neil Yakupov and then get mad that I didn't comment on Jordan Eberle. So here's the thing. Yes, Eberle does have similar weaknesses to Yakupov. You're right. Neither my 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 criticism of Everly would be that he doesn't have an effect on the game often enough when he's when he doesn't score. Now scoring goals is very important. Um, Brad wrote in about uh, complimentary players and one shot goal scorers, first shot goal scorers. Okay, here's the thing, everybody. Regardless of who they played with, Everly did it more often than Yakupov. Regardless of who they played with, Everly finished more often than Yakupov. So if you want, if you believe that they're both equally bad defensively and forechecking, fine. Everly still scored more regardless of who he played with, including when he was with McDavid. So if you want me to lump both guys together and give my assessment, well, there's the tiebreaker. And you got to remember, it ain't me setting the lines. It's Todd McClellan. So even if, I, even if I was sitting here as a talk show host telling you that I thought Neil Yakupov should play 25 minutes a game, ultimately doesn't matter. Because Todd McClellan doesn't agree. Todd McClellan clearly doesn't trust that player as much as he trusts other guys, including Jordan Everly, And he's talked about that. So I don't know what else to tell you. It's, it's, an, it's an exhaustive topic. Um, and and you know, I wrote blogs last summer that I thought Yakupov could have a good year. You know, playing with the right people and in a good situation. It didn't happen. Coach Mike is on the line. Coach, go ahead. Hey, how's it going, Reed? Doing great. Uh, just, just thoughts about the season. Like, I'm obviously disappointed as to where they finished, but as a whole, I can't be too disappointed about the season. I mean, like the injuries this season. Every time we got close to being healthy, somebody else would go down. So as a whole, like we're talking a few bounces here and there, five or six wins. We're not talking about finishing 29th overall again. Just your thoughts on that? Uh, I I think if they were probably a little healthier, they might have had three to six more wins and still would have been quite a bit out of the playoffs. Uh, I and well, that's the one thing I'm going to get into here. I I think their game management was lacking, and that was a commonality regardless of who was in the lineup. Um, they were too often the team that made the big mistake or couldn't figure it out in a close game. Yeah, but, but ex- that's my point. Is the, But those games were, like the Calgary game a few games ago, those are few and far between. Yeah, but I we think were, so. And we McClellan, were in most games for the most part. Yeah, and it McClellan, wasn't like the two prior seasons, right? Yeah, that's true. McClellan, and McClellan said that today. I mean, as much as the, the losses were frustrating, and I don't believe in moral victories, 
Um, there were a lot of nights we were talking about the two or three things they could have done better as opposed to the 40 minutes where they got overwhelmed and decimated. But and still, you've got to get over that hump. play just a little bit, then, we, yeah, we're also not talking about where they are right now. Yeah. So, and, 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 yeah. Go ahead, no, go ahead. And just to talk about uh, just the whole Eberly Hall thing, I mean, it's, you're asking, whenever this comes up, you're asking two different questions. It's who's going to get you more, and, and for me, who I think should be traded, and I think it's Eberly, but who's going to get you more? It's obviously Taylor Hall. Do you agree? Yes, but you you probably lose more out of the lineup, right? That's the that's and, that's and, and the... that's and, and yeah, and I, to to me, like McDavid's untouchable, and, and Hall has got to be a close second. I mean, if you're trading him, maybe it's something crazy as Montreal giving up PK Subban, then then I consider trading Hall. But for for Hamannick or something like that, I just I, I couldn't see the Oilers trading Taylor Hall for for Hamannick. Well, I think Everly for Hamannick is much more on the table than anybody else on the Oilers, don't you think? Oh, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Coach Mike, great to hear from you again. Yeah, for sure. 780-496-0063. I'll get to Chris in a minute. This texter says, hey, Reed, I know you don't like to blame injuries, but I do, at least this year. 368 man games lost. Ference and Clefbaum, 50-plus games. And we all know how much you like Clefbaum, this texture writes. Well, I like Clefbaum, but I think maybe that should be more directed at another host. Uh, McDavid was out 37 games. Yakupov and Nugent Hopkins, 20-plus games. Uh, Klinkhammer, Davidson, Pouliot, Schultz, Eberle, 13-plus games. Uh, do you still think injuries weren't the biggest problem? Well, I would, I would slightly disagree with Ference and Klinkhammer injuries really being a huge factor because I don't think they were going to play much anyway. I mean, look, I, I just... The injuries happened to everybody. I know there were a lot. I, I don't think they're in the playoffs if they're healthy. And, and quite frankly, to tell you guys how I approach doing the show, I, I just don't think it's an interesting talk show if I come on and just say, oh, okay, yeah, injuries. That's why they're bad, injuries. I don't know. I just think there's more detailed, specific things than that. And, you know, it, I don't know. There's a point to me it gets to be a bit of a cop-out just talking about the injuries all the time. Obviously, I recognize they were a problem. When you lose that many guys and you lose – your best play. I mean, McDavid's the best player. You lose him for half a season. Uh, that sucks and that hurts, especially at a point where he probably really would have been starting to finish the league, figure the league out through November and December. So yeah, injury's a problem. Yes, I, I, I'm sorry, guys, or whoever texted that. I'm just not prepared to say that that's the biggest problem. I, I think that just takes it. It takes too much off the guys and the coaches that were involved every night. Chris is on the line. Chris, thank you for calling. Hey, Reed, how's it going? I'm doing great. Hey, um, I guess two things. One, uh, you said it was, what, minus 43 was the goal differential? 42, yep. So just by easy math, uh, Connor McDavid has gone 37 games, and he was averaging a point per game. So if he plays the whole season, that closes that gap pretty good, doesn't it? Well, that's a fair point. They certainly would have scored more. I mean, I don't know if it would have made up that entire gap. But, yeah, I mean, no, it, it, for sure. He would have – obviously, they're better – would have been better with him in the lineup. Absolutely. I just don't know if they're 42 goals better just because just because of him. Uh, the only other thing is, and I'm not a rose-colored uh, Oilers fan here, but we've been talking about blowing up the top six, I guess, to make sure we get one, two, maybe three defensemen, depending on which talk show hosts to listen to. <laughs> um, but I, I say two for sure. <laughs> well, would I be wrong in saying that Clefbaum's a two-three defenseman? Um, and then you got uh, um, 
got uh, Sakura, who's uh, an easy three on most NHL teams. Sure. And the way Davidson played, he played as a as a four defenseman probably anywhere in the NHL. Yeah, he did great. And then you got Griba, um, uh, uh in the last three. Uh, I'm losing my mind here, but um, well, they had Griba, Fane, Party played for a bit. Osterly was up. Yeah. And, uh, oh, Nurse, and, sorry, uh, yeah. And Griffin, um, and they're all you know five, six, seven defensemen, right? Yeah. So uh, why are we looking at trading away that much talent to get uh, two more defensemen when really? Depending on what Clefbaum comes back and does, we could be just looking at a number one defenseman to close everything out. Well, yeah, I think you're. I think yeah, that's fair, Chris. I think some of it depends on how good Nurse and Clefbaum get. I just don't think Shirelli wants to wait, and I don't think he wants them to have to shoulder the load while they're learning. At least that's how I look at it. I, I think he. I don't think they're going to get a true number one. But maybe they have defense by committee where they have a lot of guys who are, not a lot of guys, but three guys who are twos and threes. You know, like maybe Sekera, Clefbaum, and Hamannick, for argument's sake, are your top three guys next year. So, and then they kind of share, share the load and shelter some of the weaker or less experienced guys. I think that's probably going to be the approach. Well, and, and I agree with you. My only concern is... Uh... It's usually one for one for defensemen, so you're looking at losing one of our defensemen that we do have. Unless you can, if you're going to blow up the top six and get rid of one uh, really good player, you know, Jordan Eberle, who's what 70 point player, and uh, add in, uh, you know, a couple prospects and maybe somebody that's down on the farm, uh, then you can get one defenseman without, uh, you know, losing what core defenseman you've started to create. Yeah, well, I don't think they want to trade any of the young D if they can avoid that. I, I mean, I certainly think they would like to keep... I mean, they probably could have traded Nurse for Dougie Hamilton, right? And draft picks, but I don't... I mean, I don't think he but wanted isn't to that do that. Like, for Hamannick, they're looking for... They want a defenseman back for him, do they not? Yes, they have, they have said that. I just don't know how strong their bargaining position is. Because I've also heard Everly for for Hammond, it could have happened. So there's okay. a there's a lot out there about that, right? Well, that's all I had, man. It's a good show. Thanks uh, yeah. for everything you do for us, man. Yeah, good to hear from you, Chris. Appreciate it. Six forty six. Randy is up next. Going to get to you. Got to take a break first, though. Inside Sports on check. You're listening to 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. Kelly Rudy's coming up later in the show. Pat Steinberg out of Calgary. Cam Talbot, I had a one-on-one with him yesterday after garbage bag day. Uh, somebody texted in, what was the Oilers' uh, record in one-goal games? They were 14 14- 16 and 8. 14, 16, and 8. So that means they played, uh, what, 38 one goal games? They only won 14 of them, so only slightly better than a third. Got to do better than that. I mean, you get those points for the overtime losses, but you really, uh, you got to win. You got to win. All right. Uh, when is the draft lottery? 
It is April 30th. That's a text coming in. The Big L says, hey, Reed, I agree with you regarding injuries as an excuse for not making the playoffs. But at the very least, if the McDavid and Clefbaum injuries were cut in half, Shirelli certainly would have had his 80 points. That's from the Big L. And uh, before I get to Randy on the phone line, this texture says, Hey, Reed, before the first game this year, I predicted that this would be Yakupov's breakoff year. I even called for him to snipe 25 to 30. Yikes. Well, even though the Oilers didn't necessarily handle him properly this year or even the previous two years, this all falls on nail. He just isn't getting what it takes to qualify for a regular shift in the NHL. Not can, you cannot continually try to go east-west and then turn the puck over when the league is north-south. I love his attitude, but he still needs to develop it. At this point, I have completely changed my opinion of him, and I hope he can move to a new team where he can be a bona fide NHLer. That is a text from an unnamed texter to 63630. Randy is on the phone line. Randy, thanks for calling. How you doing, my friend? Long time no talk. Thanks for calling. I guess I won't be able to hand the Oilers fans a uh, birthday present like I did last year. Was it your birthday on the draft lottery day? It was. It was. It was. <laughs> nice. Um, I think the first thing people have to realize is what kind of team the Oilers have. Take the Kings, take the Ducks, take the Capitals, and see how many players from the Edmonton Oilers would fit on any one of those three teams. Yeah, that's a good then point. You, then you find out what you need to do. Yeah, I mean, take even like uh, how how much does Jake Muzzin play for LA? Like he's the, he's on their second pairing. Yeah, like he's he's really good. I I think. Well, you tell me one of our defensemen that's gonna that's gonna replace anybody on the Kings. Well, Sekera was on the Kings last year, so I mean they they wanted him enough, but I know exactly what you're saying. And and. If you want to use a vernacular about about Everly, he's a one-tool player. He's got hands, and that's all. He can shoot the puck. He can't check. He can't pass the puck very well. How many times has has he has he uh, hit past the opposition all year long? He doesn't back check. He doesn't play physical. He's a one-tool player. No, it is a valuable tool, though, right? That's why he's going to be employed, whether it's here or somewhere else. He's probably going to play a long time, but I understand what you're saying. Okay, you tell me what team is going to make out of the top three that I just mentioned. What team would Everly play on out of the three that you mentioned? Yeah. Well, I still think he, I mean, Everly can shoot. He's still a good shooter, Randy. I know what you're saying, but is does he... Does he? Would he fit with the way those teams are? Here's what you're saying. You're saying with the way those teams are structured, can you immediately insert Everly and improve whatever line he would be on, as a line as a whole, right? Yeah. And on the top two lines on those teams, the answer is probably no. But that doesn't mean there are other teams in the league that wouldn't want him, okay, right? Take, take, take the next one in line. Let's go to Chicago. He'd have to be on the third line. And I don't think he'd make that one either. Yeah, that's fair. So I mean, you keep working your way down the, the down the board. Well, that's, that's why that's, the, that's why they're where they're at, man. They got too many players that are playing either too much here, or have too much responsibility, and that's what happens. Due to previous regimes, they have too many players that are, you know, ten, eleven, twelve, two, fifteen as 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 forwards. And 
six, seven, eights as far as the defensemen go. All right. So what do you think? So what do you think Shirelli's going to? I mean, clearly you've you've identified Everly as a player you personally would like to see changed out. What do you think Shirelli's going to do? I think come draft day, he's going to, depending on what we get for a draft pick, I think he would get uh, Patrick Laine if mm-hmm. that's where we fit in. Right. And I can see Everly and maybe something else going for, for, for a top-end draft pick. For a top-end draft pick or a top-end defenseman? Or top-end defenseman, I'm sure. Well, that's probably is, that probably is what is going to happen. And if the Oilers wind up second or third, they'll take one of those Finnish wingers. And if we end up with with number one, well, I see us going to going to Phoenix or Arizona. Or do you draft Matthews and you trade somebody and trade another center? I think what come April April thirtieth, if we get the number one, I can see I can see Arizona bringing up Peter Shirelli the moment that the draft thing is over with. I think that's when it starts. Well, it could, and Arizona has a new GM today, so who knows what he's going to do, right? Randy, yeah. when, when's your birthday? Thursday? It's on, it's on, the, on the 18th. It was the 18th last year. I was thinking it was the 14th. Well, have a good one, man. Thanks, buddy. Okay. That is, that is for Andy, 780-496-0063. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm finally going to get to this McClellan clip, and then I'll get to some other clips uh, after the news because it forms part of a discussion I want to have. McClellan here talking about in-game management. Another one of our goals, and you heard me right from day one at training camp, talking about the mental strength of individuals, uh, lines, pairs, and the collective group, holding your hand a little bit longer. And um, I do believe there was an improvement in that area. We've got a long way to go um, in that area, but I still think we're, we've done a better job. Uh, we've been able to stay in games a little bit longer. Uh, we've been able to play against the bigger, stronger teams. Um, and improved as the year went on in those areas. But I think there's some, uh, some of those areas are lacking when it comes to uh, in-game management. Um, the highs and lows within, um, between TV timeouts, six-minute segments of a game, uh, falling behind and, and getting down a little bit, um, you know, letting the energy level slip when, uh, when it has to go up. And those are all things that we need to work on. Winning breeds confidence in those, but you need them to win, so it's a chicken-egg thing. All right, want to talk more about that, hear from a couple of players as well. If you're on hold, stay there. Inside Sports on 630 Chad. 630 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.